to Cinebabble episode 18. I am one of your hosts, Ken, and across from me is my good friend and co-host, cohort, Clint Jones. How are yeah. you doing, Clint? Um, I'm doing fine, Ken. I'm here with you. Yeah. It's wonderful. It just, it is. It feels nice. Mm-hmm. I, always, I always enjoy when we get back together, yeah. except today I'm distressed. Uh-oh. I mean, yeah. I'm a little bit distressed, too. You're a little bit distressed? Just because I'm a little tired. Okay. Well, yeah. I am not so tired, but I am distressed because of coronavirus. Mm. And not because I've contracted it, not because it's in our area, not because I'm afraid of the disease. I, I hope mean, not because I'm very close to you. <laughs> it's and true. I would have liked That's the true. heads up. I'm breathing right over yeah. the microphone Like here. purposely. I really am. Yeah. Heavy breathing. Mm-hmm. Creepy, heavy breathing. <laughs> but the reason I'm upset at the coronavirus today, and, and you know, please, please understand. Understand. Yeah, people are dying. That's unfortunate. Wow. <laughs> Did you hear that the new Bond film has been delayed seven months to November? Because of coronavirus. I did see that in a headline that it was, but I'd, I yeah. can't wrap my head around it. Hmm. And it it almost feels kind of a shameless. They have to be done just about everything with that movie. It was supposed to come out in early April. Uh-huh. They've got to, at, at worst, they're wrapping up the edit and kind of putting the finishing touches on and things like that. They're not doing reshoots. They're not doing anything else. And the only thing I can think of is that the studio is worried that it's not going to make as much money because if there's an outbreak, people aren't going to go to the theater. This is very dark. <laughs> it's super dark. And it's upsetting. It just... Uh, uh, Anyway, I was really looking forward I mean, to the Bond movie. What I think is dark is your thought that that's where it goes. Oh, that's what you think yeah, is dark? I, I, yeah. Not a corporation delaying a movie because they're worried some people might be sick and won't come to the theater? No, that my my thought is that you went instantly went there. That's what my <laughs> concern is, really. I It bothers not me. Not like maybe they're just worried about personal safety. I they're mean, not worried you, about <laughs> personal safety, Clint. Come on. Hmm. Come I think it would on. look bad if a lot of actors got like... Uh, came down with it and they had that on their hands. I get it. I get it. But coronavirus is here. It's it's a part of life now. And so it's going to be around for a while. There's mm-hmm. not a vaccine for at least a year. Delaying this movie to November is going to help no one. In fact, instead of going to the theater in April to escape and just get my mind off of things, now I'm just going to sit home and think about there's a virus and maybe it's coming for me. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be plenty of other things to fill that time period. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I appreciate you completely dismissing my distress. Well, if it was distress for personal safety of people, <laughs> I would be understanding, but okay. I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. So anyway, that bothered me this morning. What didn't bother me this morning is uh, there was uh, there were some photos that popped up online, and normally that's not a good sentence to lead with. <laughs> But this was photos of... Who showed what to who. Exactly. (laughs) This is photos of the new Batmobile. Yeah. And a fuller look at the the Batsuit. Did you see these? I did, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. What what were your thoughts? Because it's it's a very different Batmobile design. It it was was like a cross between a muscle car and the Batmobile of, of the Batman animated series. That in my mind. or the like old uh, Batman show. Yeah, it had yeah, that, that too. It it had almost that shape to it. Yeah. Did you? Did I you liked the it. Look of it. I yeah. yeah. Awesome. My only concern was from what I saw of the new bat suit, that full daylight picture. The chunky gloves. That picture. It wasn't the chunky gloves. It was the goggles. Did you see that picture? I did see that picture. The goggles 
weirded me out a little bit. I'm hoping that's something that's being removed in post, mm-hmm. and that's just for the actor. Maybe on set, I'm, yeah. I'm riding a motorcycle. It's eye protection. Yeah, I don't know. They did not look good. But if you remember, uh, when Justice League was was coming out, there was this shot that kept circulating of Batman with these weird diagonal eye goggle pieces. Mm. It looked terrible, and then it it didn't really pop up in the movie or anything. Okay, maybe that's what it is. I mean, it didn't bother me because I was I was really excited about the the car. I think mm-hmm. that looks awesome. Yeah, totally fits with the suit and everything. It does. Even that picture where it's the goggles, it doesn't look like Robert Pattinson. So it kind of looks like a stunt driver yep. or something. Yep, and that's so. why I thought, is this a stunt driver that they're just going to kind of uh, composite his head in or CG his head in yeah. anyway? And so the goggles don't really matter. It's just so he can have an easier ride. What are the chunky gloves? You haven't seen the chunky gloves? So on that same motorcycle shot, the gloves look very UFC chunky. Oh, okay. Uh, I didn't. In the the new shots, they don't. They look much more almost like the Arkham Asylum Mm. games. Yeah. The Arkham Universe games. They they look much more gauntlet-like. Oh, okay. And uh, I thought they looked really good. There's just a shot or two where it's on a bike. But do you like when uh, photos like that leak? I don't care. Okay. I mean, sometimes... um, it's kind of I like like the last Batman thing mm-hmm. that was released where it's like a um, purpose purposeful like leak or like mm-hmm. just to kind of get people's juices yeah. flowing and stuff. Um, I like that, but like I don't really pay attention to it all that much. It, as it much as I me. yeah, I I just I I enjoy when the studio releases official yeah. photos because you get a sense this has gone through and this is close to what it's going to look like right. on the screen. And yeah. just when you get those costume shots in in bright daylight, right? And, and they're, they're not not lit for the yeah for the scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, as much as I don't like, we're not that I don't like. I don't. I'm not as enthusiastic about the comic books as you. Mm-hmm. I always get really excited for Batman stuff. I I do really like Batman. Is that because Batman's generally more grounded? Yes, it's that, and I have so much fondness for the animated series. Mm-hmm. I grew up with that series, and I it's fantastic. I love that show. Um, so I just have a lot of love for it, and I like I really like the Christopher Nolan films and what he did with them. So I didn't really care for the Ben Affleck. Mm-hmm. I even really like the um, what were the Robert Zemeckis mm-hmm. those. I even liked those at the time. Like I remember, I have fondness for seeing um, Robert Zemeckis or I, Joel Schumacher. Joel Schumacher. Okay. I, I like Batman Forever. Yeah, yeah. Who's Robert Zemeckis? Robert Zemeckis does all of the eerily lifelike CG animated Polar Express and oh, okay, and, okay. Yeah. Anyway, I I liked seeing those when I was a kid. It was fun, even though I know now they're awful. But so, yeah, I'm excited for it. Okay. Yeah. Well, last week, uh, Cinetron, which uh, we have made some upgrades to, but Cinetron not only assigned us a Nicolas Cage movie, but it also came with this thing called Cage Roulette. (laughs) And it assigned us a couple of movies. It assigned us Mom and Dad, Mm -hmm. which we'll cover later. Uh, But it it gave us individual challenges, I guess you could say. (laughs) Uh, You got a movie called Primal. Yeah, I I hear a dirty rumor you had to pay for 
a rental of Primal. I did, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it was well worth the money. I had to watch a very free Nick Cage movie (laughs) called Kill Chain. But you did have to pay something, right? I I mean, ultimately, at some point I paid for a subscription service to Amazon Prime. Well, not that. I mean, like maybe a piece of your soul, time, just like something. We'll talk about that a little more. But (laughs) we're going to start here. We're going to do a little bit of what you watch about, and then we're going to cover those two movies. Are you ready for what you watch about? I'm as ready as I can be, Ken. Can all you right, see it? Clint. I do. I see it all over your face. What you watching about, Clint? Ken, okay, I recently found, well, it was last week I was going through the Criterion had a sale. Mm-hmm. So I was, I went through like all their movies trying to just kind of get a grasp of what I had and didn't have and what I wanted to get. So I came across this director named uh, Carl Zeman or Zeman. He's a Czechoslovakian director okay. from um, like the, he was, I think mainly active, like the fifties. He was born in like 1910. Okay. Anyway. Um, I, but I didn't know anything about him, but his, the packaging for these things were so cool. And so I looked him up and watched some trailers and it, the trailers blew me away. So I found, um, and what are these movies called? Um, so I had watched two films by him. Um, but uh, I tracked him down on the Criterion channel, and luckily they like sometimes they don't have things, but mm-hmm. they did. So I watched first um, this movie called The Fabulous Baron Munchausen from 1962. Yes. Yeah. Have you seen this film? Long time ago, but yes. Um, so yeah, it's amazing. This like he completely has inspired Terry Gilliam, Tim Burton, Wes mm-hmm. Anderson. Like you can see it like shots. They're just like wow, Wes Anderson used that shot, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. He uses um, a combination of animation, stop motion, live action. Um, and it it's, looks like it's completely out of like almost a storybook mm-hmm. where like it's cut paper and but so like expertly done. It's amazing. So yeah, the fabulous Baron Munchausen follows the stories of um, Baron Munchausen, like starts on like the moon and he meets this moon man and they go to earth and they uh, have an adventure together and like get this princess out of the this castle and, and then they're on the run and they're both kind of like um, trying to win her love. And uh, yeah, I, I second that. It's it's definitely worth watching. Oh yeah. I remember that being one of the early realizations that people like Terry Gilliam didn't emerge from right. a vacuum yeah. that they had influences too. And and there's this entire slate of inventive progressive film that came before them that inspired the things that, that they kind of took and ran with. Right. And it's just, I wish I, he, I known about him sooner. I just missed yeah. him. Um, what was the second one? The other one I watched, it was called The Invention for Destruction. And it's okay. based on like Jules Verne's story, mm-hmm. short Jules mm-hmm. Verne story. And uh, that's basically about this scientist and his um, uh, assistant who are on a ship and they run into the sea pirates who have a submarine and they um, take them hostage and they want to use the scientist's uh, he has this invention for a, it's like a new energy source mm-hmm. and they want to use it for a ma- like a mass destruction weapon. Mm-hmm. And it's the scientist who doesn't know that that's what they want to use it for yeah. and until the end. And it's it looks like a, an Edward Gorey story come to life. Really? And it's so beautiful and amazing. All this, it's like proto steampunk too, because it's like all these cool, you know, like the diving bell um, mm-hmm. um, water suit, underwater suits. And they're like, riding these little like um, pedal powered scooters under the water (laughs) that have a propeller. And it's so 
I don't know. I was blown away by these films. I've read about that one. I'll have to check that yeah. one out. And I need to revisit Baron Oh, yeah. Munchausen. It was Earth so Earth. good. The coloring, it has this weird, like, overtoned coloring, the whole thing. And it's just so inventive. And it just huh. kind of the film that makes me so excited because it's just like somebody made all this stuff, like, okay. came up with all these processes without computers. And, uh, yeah, there's a whole collection of his uh, films that Criterion just put out, and I plan to get that. Okay. It's like three, three or four movies. Okay. So, yeah. Great. Yeah. I'll have to check those yeah. out. Yeah. Totally do. They're so good. All right. Yeah. Well, I've been watching. Mm-hmm. You had recommended Horse Girl. Yeah. And I watched it, and very interesting. Not at all what I expected. Yeah. Uh, it's on Netflix, mm-hmm. and uh, it's 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 a great little movie. It's It's not going to blow anybody's mind no. i don't think it's yeah. not something that reinvents the wheel uh at the same time it had a lot going for it it had some interesting performances some very interesting visuals and i i love the ambiguity right mm-hmm. up till the end that it was playing with where uh, you really didn't know is this a story of somebody who is losing their mind if so bravo to the way that the film is being put together because it really conveys that sense of disassociation yeah. and hallucination and all of these things. At the same time, you get the sense the entire movie, yeah, but what if? What if this is leading to something that's very literal and people are dismissing this woman as crazy, but really she's on to something. Mm-hmm. And I just, I really enjoyed that process. I loved how weird it got. Yeah, especially in I like the surreal, um, mm-hmm. like in the way that it was very playful and how mm-hmm. they did it. By the time she's stitching together... Uh, protective gear from a curtain. Yeah. <laughs> I was fully invested in that movie. I like how they don't play it for a joke either. Mm-hmm. It's very serious what yeah. she's going through and like you're on board with is she really going through this and you yeah. feel it like you feel for her yeah. and it's never like a wink at the camera or anything. No. Yeah. So I, I would definitely recommend that. I, th- I think it's worth checking out. Mm-hmm. The other movie I watched is on Amazon right now and it's called Elizabeth Harvest. Have you seen this? No, I haven't. It really reminded me a lot of Ex Machina in mm. some ways. But it's about this man who brings home his young bride. And she's kind of coming to in the car. She's waking up. And you really get the sense this is the first time she's waking up. You know something is up right from the beginning. Is she some sort of android? Is she a clone? Is she? Is this some other surreal kind of experience? Mm-hmm. The movie's very kind of wrote and predictable at first. Right. It's exactly what I thought it was going to be. But then it suddenly completely skips the three-act structure, and it turns into what I would bet you anything started as a stage play. Hmm. And it's it's probably six or seven different acts. It feels almost like a novel. It's very chapter-driven. But every time I thought I had the movie kind of pegged as to where it was going or what it was going to be, it switched. And it did that pretty aggressively and pretty often to the point that it kept me engaged. It had some problems. It's 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 a little too much of a heightened reality. The characters are a little too theatrical. But it's got a good cast, and uh, it's it's probably worth checking out. I, I was surprised by it. The whole time I'm watching it, I realize this is not groundbreaking stuff. Mm. But at the same time, I was pleased that it was taking risks, and it would just switch on a dime. Mm-hmm. And even to the point that it would it would shift its main character pretty often. It it didn't have a, a problem with shifting perspectives, and I enjoyed that. Hmm. So I don't want to say too much more about it. What's it called case. again? It's called Elizabeth Harvest. Did it just come out? Just came out I, maybe a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Um, 
but it's it's worth checking out. It's definitely uh, indie. They definitely spent their uh, their budget on the two actors that are they're recognizable. Mm-hmm. It's the actor who plays the butler on the planet with Ozymandias and the Watchmen series uh-huh. is in it as, oh, a, okay. as a blind kind of servant uh-huh. in this mansion. And so that was kind of fun because I've seen this before, <laughs> uh, but it was different enough. Uh, like I said, it it didn't keep me guessing in the traditional sense of, ooh, what are they doing? It right. Just, I didn't know when are they going to turn next, mm-hmm. and, and I enjoyed that. That's so cool. worth checking out. Yeah. Elizabeth Harvest, Horse Girl. Horse Girl is definitely the better film. It's the more um, sophisticated film. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Maybe check it out sometime and let me know if I've lost my mind. We know that's already true. Well, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> on to the main event or mm. the start of the main event, the start of our cage roulette. Uh, this is a little segment I'd like to call the cage of enlightenment. Oh, gosh. Are you okay with <laughs> the cage of enlightenment? I'm going to go along with it. Regardless. <laughs> I've got so many cage puns lined up today, but cage of enlightenment's got to be my top one. <laughs> but Sinatron assigned us, like I was saying, it assigned us two movies. You got Primal. And I got Kill Switch. I did. Would you like the honor of talking about Primal first? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Just just to give you an idea of what the plot of Primal is, uh, Nicolas Cage plays uh, what I can only assume. Now, this is from me watching the trailer. You can correct me here. Okay. Nicolas Cage plays this game hunter, and he snags this rare uh, jungle cat. Mm-hmm. And he brings it onto a white leopard. He brings it onto a cargo ship mm-hmm. along with some other very deadly animals. And he's just trying to get home so he can make a buck off of these animals. And sure enough, there's a prisoner on board that's being transported by the government. The prisoner breaks loose, sets the animal free. Uh, all hell breaks loose on the ship. And Nicolas Cage has to hunt down this prisoner save people from these animals, get these animals back in their cages so he can make a buck. Is that a fairly accurate assessment? I Yeah, I think you already said it. I don't know if I have anything else to say, really. <laughs> oh, you were going to do a plot synopsis? <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez. That's all there is to this I'm movie. Sorry. I don't know. All right, well, what'd you think of Primal? It was awful. What do you want me to say? <laughs> it was garbage. <laughs> I know I shouldn't say garbage. This is probably someone's favorite movie, but... I don't know if Primal looks like anybody's favorite movie. It could be. Somebody, so, okay, okay. What was particularly rank garbage about this movie? Let me run it down for you. Okay, this, like, that synopsis is fine. Okay, some like corporate head came up with that. Was mm-hmm. trying to make it sound better than it is. Mm-hmm. It's snakes on a boat, man. <laughs> it's snakes on a boat with a con air wrapped in there. Oh wow, that's all it is. And like somebody like flipped, like somebody had their own Sinatron <laughs> and spun it, and it like lined up all these movies. Okay, snakes on a plane. Um, and uh, Con Air, and I think someone else mentioned maybe Under Siege. I'm, I've never seen that to, like, see if that's true. But, so, yeah, it's <laughs> it's Chris, uh, it's uh, Cage, and he's in the jungle, and he, he's a big game hunter, and he's trying to make a dollar. Like you said, he that's what he does. He, like, poaches the, he doesn't poach him, he doesn't kill him, but he, yeah, he takes him and sells him to zoos, and he gets this rare white <laughs> leopard, and um so yeah he he's on this boat and he, <laughs> they're also transporting this prisoner um who's played by um uh who is it played by here uh Kevin Durant who you might recognize from Lost 
He was in Lost, and he was also Blob in Wolverine Origins. I always oh, like was to point he? that out. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and um, uh, Famke Jansen mm-hmm. from the X-Men movies. Mm-hmm. Um, also, everybody in this movie looks like they were stung by bees for some reason. <laughs> They're all just slightly like something's off about everybody like in this movie. Puffy-faced. Yeah, everyone's puffy-faced. I think I that's know. just age. Maybe age, and but lighting. lack of career in Hollywood, I think, makes you look like you've been stung by bees a little Maybe. compared to your younger selves. Yeah. So anyway, getting back to your question of what makes this awful, it looks like it was filmed with a drone the entire time. Like it was just like floating around. Like that's all they had. Um, the director is Nick Powell, who's a stunt coordinator. He did like um, Born Identity, Gladiator, like a bunch uh-huh. of big, like that's what he's known for. Okay. Like, and I think that's what got everybody on board. Well, Nick Cage did another film with him, which I don't remember what that was called. There's okay. another movie on this scale. Um the animal, the leopard is crazy bad. <laughs> CG. The CG. Like, I, I like probably 19, early 1990s, like when Toy Story was coming out. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah. I Well, something, there wasn't a lot to say about this movie. It's a bad movie. Like, it, even what they're relying on with the action scenes and he's been, the director being a stunt coordinator, like I, I really wouldn't even been able to pick that out because this, <laughs> they're not even that great. And one downflaw, like flaw of this film is like compared to other films we've watched here and other Nick Cage movies, he's not particularly that crazy. So it didn't have that to rely on. Like him, like there's a couple moments where he has his freak outs, mm-hmm. but it's just him it almost feels like a paycheck film. Okay. I don't know. Maybe he has some... Um, Affinity the, for CG Jungle Cats. Maybe. Or he has some love for Nick um, Powell and they okay. have like a, a like a good working um, relationship. Okay. So anyway, I decided to make a little game to... I love your games. <laughs> to, it's a multiple choice question game for me to like give to you and you give me yes. what answers. 100% yes. I'm ready for um, this. So, okay, question one, Ken. Which animal wasn't on the boat? Okay. I'm ready. A, a wise cracking parrot. <laughs> B, flesh ripping monkeys. C, a rare white jaguar. Or, okay, that we know that one's there. D, poisonous snakes without antivenom. D, a tapir. E, a toucan who keeps taking Nick Cage's hat. <laughs> I'm going to go with... Uh, e, a toucan that keeps taking Nick Cage's hat. Well, that was F, but you're right. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a wisecracking parrot. Yes, there's a whole thing with this parrot where he meets this parrot in the jungle and it stole food from him. So now this parrot is like attached to Nick Cage. And Nick Cage is upset about this. And he's like, you can't name a parrot. If you name a parrot, then you'll definitely be stuck with this parrot. So, of course, by the end of this movie, he has a love for this parrot. And he names it Einstein. So now he has a parrot. Of course. Okay. All right. So one for one. Yeah. I'm ready for the next question. Okay. So there's a lot of setup for this in the film. Um, Why can't Kevin Durant's character, Richard Loeffler, fly? A. Fly in an airplane or fly flap his wings? In an airplane. Thank you. It's not that surreal. It's got to be a specific quiz here. <laughs> it's a wisecracking parrot. Okay. Kevin Durant can fly for all Okay. A. Lost his, par- uh, his passport. B. He just hates to fly. C. Has a medical problem where he goes to a certain... If he goes to a certain altitude, he could have a life-threatening seizure. 
D, his mother cheated on his father with a pilot and he can't get over it. I want to say C, but man, I hope it's D. It's C. <laughs> okay. It's... There's so much like build up to what, like they're trying to make it like make sense why they just don't fly him mm-hmm. to the location of like the prison okay. or whatever. So there's like, there's a long uh, bit of dialogue about him being on this boat and I, why. I assumed it was C, but I was really hoping <laughs> to hear that I was wrong and that there are actually these PTSD flashbacks of his and dad. that's what makes him a killer and yeah. Like, yeah yeah it just completely sent down the wrong path all yeah. right two for two i'm feeling good yeah um okay i only have three questions for that's you. okay okay do i get a prize if i get 100%? you do get a prize yes okay what is nick cage's weapon of choice a crocodile dundee style knife a b poison tip blow darts c a sawed off shotgun or D, he's a pacifist and doesn't believe in weapons. Oh, please be D. Please, dear Jesus, be D. Nope, it's B. Ah, Poison tip blow darts. That's better, actually. <laughs> but I was really hoping. It's still somehow crazy. Okay. <laughs> Him trying to take down Kevin Durant's character with... With a blowgun. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Man, you got a winner. <laughs> that is... I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that's because you disrespected Sinatron last week. Yeah. And so maybe this wasn't as random as it seems. Mm-hmm. I wish I had more to say about it. But anyway, close your eyes. I have a gift for you. Oh, boy. You do win a prize. Putting my hand out. I'm ready for this. I hope it's not a wisecracking paradox. <laughs> uh, for those at home who can't see, it is a Blu-ray copy of Nicolas Cage's Primal. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is exciting. And rather I than, wait to watch it. Rather than give Amazon my money, I went to our local um, movie store. Okay. And they had a deal where you buy two movies, you get one free. And guess Perfect. what I got for free? <laughs> Excellent. Well, I got a 66.67% on that quiz, but I still got that prize. Yeah. And that's all you needed. That's all right. Yeah. Just needed two. It's passing grade in mine. Okay. You were going to keep it if I got two wrong. No, you're getting it either way. <laughs> You can enjoy it now. Well, my movie was Kill Chain, and this is a movie from director Ken Sanzel. And uh, basic plot is there's a shootout between two hitmen. That begins an evening of murder, betrayal, and revenge amongst this uh, wide array of uh, crooked police officers, gangsters, assassins, and mercenaries. And I don't know what happened, Yeah, this is actually a decent flick. <laughs> it really is. Uh-huh. It is, for 45 minutes, not a Nicolas Cage film at all. Yeah. He shows up at the beginning as a hotel owner, and then he disappears, and it starts with uh, this battle between two assassins, and then one of the assassins wins. That assassin then gets connected to crooked cops. The crooked cops win. Then the crooked cops get, and it's it's a literal kill chain. You follow this mm. kind of series of bodies, and each time somebody goes down, you follow the character that took them down. Uh, it not completely predictable like that. It does at first, but then it eventually starts to mix that formula up. This is a movie that felt it definitely took some inspiration from Sin City and Pulp Fiction. Yeah. But it felt a lot to me. Do you remember Lucky Number Slevin? Yeah. That's what it feels like. Okay. To the point that it's good. Yeah. And it's worth watching. It's got some good stuff in it. The Nicolas Cage character, the hotel owner, is actually pretty interesting. Hmm. Uh, There is some kind of hard-boiled noir detective stuff that they don't push quite far enough 
to make it as interesting or as fun as it could be. Mm. They don't restrain it enough to make it more grounded. So it's in this weird middle ground. But it actually kind of works. And uh, aside from a few missteps, I, I actually enjoyed this thing. Huh. Uh, IMDB and just general viewers do not enjoy this thing. <laughs> uh, their score is much lower than than mine would have been. Yeah. This is, you know, if you're doing like a five-star kind of deal, this is like a solid three-star mm. straight-to-video kind of thing. But uh, surprisingly not terrible. A little over the top. Not in a John Wick way, just people really chewing some scenery mm-hmm. when they don't need to. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was – I was kind of shocked. Mm-hmm. I was really expecting to have a primal experience. and um, You might like primal more than I did. I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know. Kill Chain, I was constantly bracing myself, and I'm like, here's where it goes bad. Yeah. Here's where it goes bad. Why am I still interested in this? Oh, here's where it goes bad. Still hanging in with this movie. Huh. What's happening right now? And uh, by that 45-minute mark where it really turns to Nicolas Cage – He's got a, a decent and interesting backstory. Uh, it actually attempts to develop his character, and it does so in, in a fairly interesting way. Mm-hmm. I'm not recommending this movie. I'm not saying go out there, track it down. But if you have exhausted all of your Nick Cage options and you need something Nick Cage, you know, add this one to your list and give it a shot. It's not terrible. If you like Lucky Number Slevin and other, you know, of that era that, completely ripped off Pulp Fiction and tried to do Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, Boondock Saints, those kind of things. Yeah. This is right up that alley. Mm. And uh, you'd probably probably get a kick out of this. Mm. But I did not get you a gift. That's okay. I did not buy you Kill Chain. <laughs> Kill Chain is free. Oh. Ish. Free. Free-ish. <laughs> free-ish. Free-ish. Uh, yeah. So that was... I also don't have much to say because it's it's pretty bare bones. It's, it's not like yeah. it does... I wish I had more to say about it. At least, like, I guess I got a game out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I enjoyed the game. It good. Was a good quiz. I'm glad. I you hope like. everybody played along at home. <laughs> Just <laughs> we're sending everybody copies of Primal. So there you go. That's a total lie. They don't expect a copy of Primal. Surprisingly expensive. <laughs> more Actually, than they should be. They, well, they got to pay off that tiger. So, that's what or we that should li- do. Leopard. I mean, we should Primal it forward. And after I watch Primal. Whoever wants it next, just send us your address. We'll send you Primal, and then you send it to the next one, and we'll just see how far Primal yeah. makes it across the country. Primal chain, not Primal. Clint, it's like we wrote this ahead of time. We didn't. No. We should have, because not Primal chain. <laughs> That's great. All right. Well, I have a little bit of a surprise for us. Oh, no. This week, we have... No, don't don't be afraid. Okay. This week, we have an actual mailbag segment. Send it to receiver. Let's open up the mailbag. Some people have been emailing in. I don't know if you know, because I try not to tell you all this stuff. I'm the one that gets excited. We went international uh, this, this past two weeks, and we've hit about 30 different countries. We've got people listening from Brazil and England and Spain, Italy, Russia. Uh, there's there's just a little bit of everybody everywhere. Little comrade. Pretty sure, pretty sure they're not Russian bots. I think they're real Russian people. Uh, we have a lot of people. They're in just the listening US, for Sinatron, the bots. Just Sinatron. <laughs> Tune in for the bot. (laughs) Oh man, Russian bots are going to start worshiping Senator. Mm -hmm. We're doomed. (sighs) 
It's know. bound to happen. But some people emailed us. And uh, I got a, I got a few. You, you want to hear some of these? Okay. Okay. This first one is from Jessica, and Jessica says, "I'm woefully behind in Nick Cage's filmography, but I've planned on changing that. I have yet to see Mandy, but I'm looking forward to it, despite probably needing to keep my expectations in check." Now you watch Mandy, correct? Yeah, I actually started it again the other night after okay. I finished all my what other. What are your ones? impressions there? I liked it. Yeah. I, um, I think there was a lot of hype around it, oh, because everyone's just saying this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's cool for sure. I, I would like. I need to go through it again. I think I'd probably just knowing where it goes. I'd enjoy it more the second time. Okay. Jessica goes on to say, "I'm a bit of a sap, uh, but I'm going to say that my favorite Nicolas Cage movie is City of Angels. Mm. I haven't seen the original Wim Wenders' Wings of Desire yet. I know, but I plan on rectifying that soon. I do love Meg Ryan as well, and the movie is so hopelessly romantic. I'm a sucker for stories that are about the human condition and learning what it is to be human. Do you remember City of Angels?" Uh, a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Nicholas Cage is this angel that, yeah. if I recall, chooses to to fall. Yeah. To I mean, I've seen Wings of Desire with. Okay. Yeah, I love Wings of Desire. All right. Yeah. Uh, and then runners up, Jessica says, would include Raising Arizona, The Family Man, Gone in sixty seconds. Raising Arizona is definitely on my list of Nick Cage movies. Mm-hmm. I love Raising Arizona. How long has it been since you've seen that? It's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Did you enjoy it? Well, Do you remember? Or is it just in the early days and you have no idea if you enjoyed Raising Arizona? I loved Raising Arizona. Oh, okay. I mean, you just I, looked at me like I was insane. No, I was just waiting for you to stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. I, I, I mean, I love the Coen brothers, so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this next email is from uh, a guy named Michelle, and it says, Hi, Clint seems to like offbeat movies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah. And uh, Michelle lists The Lobster, Midsommar, Under the Skin... <laughs> I'm telling you, to the grave, I'm saying Midsommar. I believe it, okay. and I'll follow uh, you to lobster, the grave. The lobster, Midsommar, under the skin. Uh, Michelle asks, have you seen The Man Who Killed Don Quixote? I think it's right up uh, Clint's alley. Jonathan Price is quite something in this. Perhaps add it to the Sinatron wheel. Keep up the good work, guys. I think I may have added it to the Sinatron wheel. Did you? Yeah. Okay, this, is, this stars... Um, Adam Driver. Jonathan Price and Adam Driver. Yeah. And it's kind of the long-awaited Terry Gilliam mm-hmm. movie that started back in the day right. with Johnny Depp and then fell apart. Yeah, yeah. Have you watched No, it I haven't. I okay. want to. It's just, I just haven't yet. Okay. So it's on the Sinatron wheel? I think so. I, I'll double check, but okay. I, I know I considered it. This third message uh, is from Anthony, and Anthony actually writes a whole lot of nice things about us. Which I won't read because it, it really feels self-serving to sit here and yeah. read compliments. Uh, we appreciate them. I'll Please den- write them. I'll deny it's true. But, <laughs> uh, but he says, I've, I've had some difficulty finding the podcasts and Clinton Ken on Twitter or Instagram. I think it's probably best for promotion of the podcast to have some social media presence. You're in luck, Anthony, because this week... I foolishly, perhaps, started a Twitter account, an Instagram account. Uh, there's a Facebook account. If anybody's over 50, there you go. Uh, we're, we're a little bit of everywhere, and uh, some people are finding us. But if you want to find us, just go to any of those places, search for Cinebabble, and uh, we'll pop up. And, uh, yeah, it's good yeah. stuff. Uh, this last email uh, is from Isaac, and he says uh, – 
uh, amongst a lot of comments. Again, appreciate all the comments. I like the favorite movies of each year of the past decade. And the fact that you didn't tell each other ahead of time what your favorite movies of each year were, heightened the conversation and made it more enjoyable. And then he says, thanks for keeping your podcast clean. Some podcasts, I can't make it through one episode because the podcaster's dropping the F-bomb every other word, fouling, which makes it impossible to listen to with kids running around. So a little bit a little bit of feel good there for you, Clint. Yeah. We're, we're, not, we're not big cussers. We don't really... Yeah, it never really worked its way into my vocabulary. Yeah. I like to occasionally drop the F-bomb with my wife okay. to just get a reaction out of her. It's fun. <laughs> okay. But I'm not going to do that now. No. I don't know. But that's, you know, it's not something we sat down like, let's make this thing PG. Uh, this, is, this is just kind of us, and, and we're just, you know, we use big boy words, and we like them. <laughs> <laughs> big boy words. I think those are big boy words. I, I think anytime you call something big boy words. I think I'm too childish to use them. <laughs> anyway, uh, we got a lot more emails. I can't read them all. But the point of this is write into us. You can visit uh, www.cinebabblecast.com and send us some messages. You can send us good. You can send us bad. You can uh, make your own Nick Cage quiz. Let us know what Nick Cage movies you're watching or just uh, argue with us about uh, some of our reviews or our impressions. I did get a couple of angry emails about The Mandalorian, <laughs> but I'm going to devote that mailbag one whole week just to Mandalorian uh, apologetics. Okay. So it'll be good. They're probably right. I mean, I'm just, I don't say the reviews or opinions yeah. and like just conversations because yeah. I am not right. I don't know anything. <laughs> there you go. You probably know more than me. Uh, maybe. That's not you. I, I, I mean, the, the listener. Oh, okay. I, I know you. Me. No, I, like, I know you Clint. don't. No. Okay. I know you don't. Yeah. I'm a little ignorant. <laughs> I reviewed movies for years, but what do I know? You don't know anything. <laughs> All right, you ready to dive into some coverage of the latest and greatest Nick Cage? Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Let's I'm go all for about it. it. First up is Richard Stanley's Color Out of Space, and this is an adaptation of the, the Lovecraft story of the same name. It's basically after a meteorite lands in the front yard of their farm, Nathan Gardner... <laughs> Real on the nose name. Nathan Gardner and his family find themselves battling a mutant extraterrestrial organism that infects their minds and their bodies, transforming their quiet rural life into a technicolor nightmare. Mm-hmm. Can you tell that was an official synopsis? I could. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I could hear all the corporate minds who went over it. <laughs> yeah. Quiet rural life yeah. into a technicolor nightmare. Are we sure we want to use technicolor there? <laughs> you know, it, it, I suppose. Does it paint the picture that we want? To promote this film? I guess. Will it make us more money? (laughs) You know, I don't know. But coronavirus is coming. Let's delay Bond. Clint, what did you think of The Collar Out of Space? Oh, Ken, it was was perfectly adequate in every way. (laughs) (laughs) What? Okay. (laughs) Tell me more about perfect adequacy. Um, I think my problem is, and it's my problem with Lovecraft in general at this point, is it's been so diluted and spread out through so many other films at this mm-hmm. point is like, I feel like I've already seen this movie and so many others, like The Thing and man, Annihilation. Like, I know he was probably inspired by um, Lovecraft, but just like we've already seen that movie come out. And um, so I'm not saying this ripped it off or anything. I'm just saying I'm sure there was some similar um, like inspiration um, but so I just I I couldn't really get on board because I just felt like I I I know what's happening here. 
it was interesting for me because every time the movie started to do what I felt was something right, it just turned in a direction that didn't work for me. I yeah. also thought it was just okay. Yeah. It was a it was a mix of things that hit and things that missed. For me, the fundamental flaw with this movie was that instead of starting with an idyllic normal in quotes family, right, right. This family already feels out there yeah. and off. And so as they start to go crazy, it it doesn't really register because these are already strange people. Especially Nick Cage, who I mm-hmm. feel like is doing his best impersonation of a normal person. Yep. Like when he's being normal father Nick Cage, um, I just I I could I was almost laughing at that too. Yeah. And even when he goes big, um, it's really big and ridiculous. And I was l- laugh literally I live laughing out loud mm-hmm. um, while watching it, just like not believing my eyes what I think because like I was talking about it with my brother and it's like his accent's changing it's going like what I it's like that's not how a normal person goes crazy yeah. it's like I feel like Nick Cage never was that broad uh, he was always kind of in the realm of reality within a f- the film that he's in but now he's just like completely like I feel like it's crazy where you feel like I unsafe for the other actors. Yeah. <laughs> like he's going to bite somebody. <laughs> and, just, I thought, and I just felt like, oh man, just get, everyone get back a little bit. Well, and I like the idea as he's descending into madness, he, he's always reviled his father and he doesn't want to be his father, but his father's voice keeps coming out of his mouth. But the accent that he chooses when impersonating his character's father. I didn't even pick up on that. (laughs) Oh, you didn't? (laughs) There's one line early on where he does an impression of his father and it's that voice. Okay. So then later on, and that's why he keeps saying, oh, I'm not my dad, I'm not my dad, I'm not my dad. But it was such a strange choice for a voice. I just I, I could understand uh, yeah. if if he dropped a register and and the idea is, oh, I had this very strict military dad. But his dad is somehow in the the military, but sounds like this eccentric academic hippie, British stoner, almost British. British. But I uh, yeah, I missed that line, so I never knew that that he was doing an impersonation okay. of his dad throughout there. Okay. I, I don't think that matters much, yeah, because it's still exactly like you said. It's not how somebody loses their mind, yeah, and it it did not feel like he was he was actually descending into madness. It just felt like he was descending into an indulgent performance, right. Uh, and I think the rest of the movie didn't go as big as that. So it made sense within the context of everything else. So mm-hmm. it just felt so separate to me. Yeah. Um, the girl who plays the daughter, mm-hmm. Madeline Arthur, I, I thought she did really well. Yeah. I do not think the script did her any favors. Right. And this is another thing where it's just like, and she's Wiccan. Yeah. And she's a self-harmer. And she's... It, I think that all falls out of under way. Richard Stanley's beliefs and everything, like because yeah. he's really, I think, into occultism yes. and stuff. So it's just like, oh, that's a little of yourself you're throwing in there, and uh, yeah, it kind of felt out of place to me. Very stagey. Yeah, it didn't feel organic. It didn't feel natural. Right. Um, you know, it's too far. She's riding a white horse and she's dressed in a cloak at the very beginning of the film when yeah. practicing witchcraft. And it opens up. And, and at first I'm thinking, is this some 17, 1600s flashback? If right. so, the costuming yeah. is terrible. Yeah. No, it's modern day. Yeah. Okay. Other weird choice is how much attention this movie pays to this uh, water expert played by yeah. Elliot Knight. Uh-huh. He's almost the main character. Yeah. And 
it, especially where it goes bizarre. at the end where it's mm-hmm. all, like almost making it his story that he's telling yep. and, and yeah if this was a movie that was solely about these characters maybe a sheriff shows up but it's it's only about this family right. they live off the grid they're not completely off the grid but they're it's not like they're neighbors around or anything like that and they are just having this very personal we can't escape it experience and they were a normal family that's starting to turn on each other yeah this would have been much, much, much better. Yeah, I felt the same way with Tommy Chong's Ezra. Like it's like, well, how's he gonna play back into this? Yeah. And yeah, what does he didn't really have anything to do with it, rather than I mean, other than him just being in the vicinity of everyone else. So, and he's a stoner just to be a stoner. Yeah. And who can we get as a stoner? I was really surprised. Did you watch any of the behind the scenes stuff yeah. with this? I was surprised. This is uh, a production company that Elijah Wood's a part of. Yeah, it's his and company. It, it was interesting seeing him sitting there talking about this. I couldn't, he didn't say a lot. He just smiled a lot, and I couldn't get a read on whether he was actually happy with this film or not. From other interviews I've heard of him talking about mm-hmm. this, he he's really excited about it. And it's it's totally at the level of the things that they do. Um, and I could definitely see people really enjoying it. It just it didn't really grab me. It's got decent buzz around it. Oh, yeah. People are enjoying it. It's getting good reviews. Uh, I think a lot of that has to do with this kind of being a comeback success for Richard yeah. Stanley, who mm-hmm. after The Island of Dr. Moreau, one, that entire production fell apart. There's a great documentary about that. Uh, but his career just kind of careened off path. Right. And he kind of lost himself in himself. And he's just recently started to come back. And this is his first larger budget, you know, larger actor. Well, they had to talk endeavor. him into doing it, really. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it, he mentions in the in the behind the scenes feature about he's been eyeing the the Dunwich Horror, which mm-hmm. is another Lovecraft story. And there's enough here that I, that actually piqued my interest, and and I look forward to seeing that if he ever gets it off the ground. Right. At the same time, I felt like this movie was in a tug of war between him. I felt like yeah. the filmmaker side of him was in a tug of war with the stranger side of him. And they were competing for attention in his movie. I kind of felt like he, not that he didn't have control of the film, but I feel like he just was doing it to get his feet wet back into it. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, I feel like he didn't um, give the actors that much direction to kind of fill in the gaps that they need to mm-hmm. in this world. I feel like it just. He was at the helm, and I'm probably totally wrong about this, at the helm of it, but he just kind of let it happen. And, like, he wasn't going to put up much of a fight because he was just trying to make it through the experience and, like, get back into the game of making a film. Well, and that's – I feel like this movie was cast in a way that was very separate. Uh, or segregated where yeah. oh, we got Nicolas Cage and now we've got an actress for the daughter. Now we've got Jolie Richardson for the wife and we have all of these actors and we're just going to cram them together. And I didn't feel any family chemistry. No, I didn't either. For a movie that's all about this family man. Other than the kids, I thought the kids the, did a good job The kids together. do a good job, but I never felt like they were actually reacting to their real parents. Yeah. Here in a minute, we're going to talk about mom and dad. I don't know if you like that movie or not, but one of the things I liked about that movie is that felt like a very real family uh-huh. in which people were going insane. And I, I thought its approach to it felt much more organic because the actors felt more like a natural family. Yeah. In this, I, I didn't get that interconnection. Yeah, I never did either, them. really. 
and it's got some good elements. The body horror stuff, uh, when spoilers, when one of the characters is fusing with another character, that really bothered me and unsettled me. It I didn't do anything for me because really? I feel like I've seen it in so many other things okay. at this point. So it's just like it's like it okay, it's the thing. And especially with like the llama stuff and everything. It it's definitely just, had that. So it just it didn't go to this direction where I'm feel like I'm seeing something new and I'm sure that's because it's um, contained in the story, but it's just like if it's in the story, but we've seen it ten other times, then let's maybe try to think of something new. Yeah. And the thing hit me with the llamas, and the thing didn't hit me at first when those two characters were fusing, but once that turned into a creature, that's where I was just like, oh, it's just the thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that that was a little disappointing because I felt like the movie had set up the building blocks to do something different there. Mm-hmm to do something a little more original or weird. And that's ultimately, at the end of the day, that's my problem with almost every Lovecraft adaptation up to this point, uh, is that these are, at at their heart, stories about things that can't be described, Mm -hmm. that can't be seen in the way we understand seeing things or perceiving things, and just the sheer out there-ness of these creatures or this reality drives people mad. Right. And that's very hard to capture on film. There was nothing about this movie that felt indescribable. Yeah. A writhing mass of deformed llamas is not indescribable. Right. It's not indescribable horror. Yeah. It's weird, but there's one shot in this movie towards the end where I felt like they started to touch on ooh, there's something bigger here. And it really kind of dipped a little more into that idea of dark gods in space. Yeah, you're right. But I thought Hellboy, Guillermo del Toro's Hellboy, did that much more effectively uh-huh. uh, with much less. Right. So it, for me, it was just what you said. It was adequate. It mm-hmm. was good. It was it was not bad. Uh, it just, it was a little too problematic for me to, yeah. to enjoy. And like even is relying so much on special effects for all the body horror stuff, mm-hmm. it was never at that level of quality where it needed to be. Yeah. Like it was just, if they had a little bit more money, maybe. There's an early shot of a praying mantis that's yeah. pink that looks, ooh, 15 yeah. years ago CG. It just needed one more pass. Yep. And It looked a little too animatic. Yep. Yeah. They just yeah. need like one more pass of detail and it would have been better and and some that's how i felt about everything yeah well and that was something where some of the even the more effective things when the light the color is going crazy towards the end i it just so many things were giving me an annihilation vibe yeah even the creature that comes from the two fused characters gave me an annihilation vibe the the bear creature right and just so much of this movie i felt like had already been done Mm -hmm. and was done much better yeah in annihilation yeah and that's not a lovecraft adaptation but that movie actually felt more lovecraft yeah i'm sure i'm i'm sure he's totally inspired by lovecraft but i'm not saying he was ripping him off but he was so that's what I mean. It's just like it's trickled down through everything to the point where like if you're going back to the source, it's like we've already seen all these things. So it's it's just really hard. You'd have to like reimagine it in this other way to make it fresh again. Yeah. And then at that point, what's the point? Yeah. If if you're a fan of low budget horror, indie horror, check this out. Yeah. Uh, if you really enjoy weird, trippy imagery and, and things like that and you're not Just the annihilation. <laughs> Yes, go see Annihilation. But if you're not a particular connoisseur and you just you want to enjoy because you love this kind of stuff, you love pulpy 
practical effects combined with bad CG, go for it. Uh, no, there's and, fun stuff in there's it. Stuff and Nick Cage is so wild that you have to see yeah. it. Like it's, right. I did enjoy his performance at points just for the sheer crazy factor of it. So I didn't regret watching it. I was just no. hoping uh, a little bit more from it. I kept waiting for it to grab me more. Yeah. And it just and there was never... moments where I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then it would just like, it just kind of let go. It was a movie that needed restrained. With restraint, I think it would have been much more powerful. Yeah. So uh, our next movie is Mom and Dad, a little bit of a similar setup. And Mom and Dad stars Nicolas Cage, of course. But it's about this teen girl and her little brother who are trying to survive a crazy 24 hours when a mass hysteria breaks out. I'm pretty sure nationwide, but it focuses on just their area. Right. And it's something where for no real discernible reason – Parents have the overwhelming desire to kill their children. They don't go completely homicidal. They don't have homicidal feelings towards any other person. It's just their, just yeah. their offspring. Uh, Clint, what did you think of Mom and Dad? Um, <laughs> I thought it was fine again. Really? Okay. Yeah. I think I liked it a little bit more than um, Color Out of Space. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit um, because there did feel like there was some restraint that was missing from Colorado space, like you were saying. And there was some really good actually moments of acting in it, mm-hmm. like to build the family and like the relationship between Nick Cage's um, father and um, Samba Blair. Is it Samba Blair? Mm-hmm. Um, that plays their, his wife. Yeah, his wife. And uh, so their relationship. Um, so, but overall it was, um, it was fine. What do you think, Ken? I actually really enjoyed this one. Yeah. And it could very much be the proximity to Color Out of Space. Uh I watched this the next day, and I felt very similar themes, very similar setup, but it was addressing all of my complaints from Color Out of Space. Mm. It was still doing weird. It was still doing unexplainable, but it didn't rely on seeing the unexplainable. It was just you would get these little audio effects that suggested, oh, there's there's some sort of signal here that's driving this madness, but it doesn't really explain it. Right. It's really just about kids trying to survive their parents. I was really impressed with the kids. Yeah. I thought their kind of mix of confusion, horror, and desperation at, like, Dad, stop. Mom, please stop. And they they really carry that through the whole film. There's never a moment where the kids become action heroes. Yeah. In a traditional sense. Obviously, they, you know, start getting the upper hand. But the whole time, they're they're believably devastated about the fact that it's their parents that are attacking them, and they're having to potentially harm their parents. Uh-huh. Uh, and and I just enjoyed that. I thought the family was much more organic, like I said, and I thought Nicolas Cage was a much more uh, interesting performance. I, I yeah. thought he did a better job of of being normal, and I thought he did a better job of being believably insane. I still had a hard time believing him as this really? normal dad. Like okay. I, I think I have a little bit of a hang up on Nick Cage at this point in his life. Like, and see, th- that was okay for me because they built in flashbacks that explained he's aware of the fact that he's become this normal person. Yeah, he's not who he thought he would be. He doesn't feel like himself. So, so that actually worked for me. I, I mean, I like that what they did with that. I just mean Nick Cage is a person. Mm, gotcha. Like outside, like. I just don't buy him in these roles for some reason. I just, I, there's some disconnect with me personally viewing him and believing that he's this 
father of two in like works at a corporate job. Do you remember what the last Nicolas Cage movie was that you were really invested in? I remember I really liked The Weatherman. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, I liked Adaptation a lot. I, I, there's a big gap. I liked, what was that? Uh, Drug Lord? Oh, uh, Lord of War. Lord of War. I really like that. Yeah, I like that. I just that. watched that. It was late last year. Yeah. I decided to watch it again, and mm. it still really got me. I, mm. I really enjoyed it. It was fun. I think there's a big gap where I just hadn't seen him for a while because okay. he's been doing movies like this. Um, But I do agree he was better. There was not as many moments of just pure freak-out craziness. There was a couple. Um, but... um. I, I think the kids did a good job. I think my biggest hang up with this film was the style in which it was filmed. I, I've never seen any crank films, never cared to, and it's filmed in that style where it's that handheld, um, like, real tight close up, right? Real tight close up, digital. Um, what is it like? Uh, what's that camera? The anyway. red camera. No, it's not the red. It's the um, GoPro. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's just like, it's that shaky look and it, it just, it, it annoyed me. Okay. So I think that's what I was really focused on throughout. Okay. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm the one lucking out this week. <laughs> I got through Kill Switch and survived and actually yeah. enjoyed something. And mm-hmm. I guess mom and dad got me too. Yeah. I didn't, dis- I liked it more than Color Out of Space, okay. I think. But it, um, I like I said, I think there were some really good um, scenes where between Nick Cage and Selma Blair, like fleshing out their relationship and talking about um, how they got to this point in their lives and what's changed and like, are they the same people? Mm-hmm. Like that scene in the basement with the, mm-hmm. um, the pool table, with the pool table, he's building the pool table and she comes and confronts him about the cost of it and stuff. And he flips out and that where he's flipping out is kind of an believable flip out for mm-hmm. him. Even though how it's, many, even how though many it's, years have you been married? Um, 12 years. Okay. Yeah. Have you, have you had that fight yet? No. My wife and I have had that fight. <laughs> Maybe that's a, as you approach 40, mm. you have that fight. It's, it's definitely a midlife crisis driven fight. Okay. I've had that kind of fight where I'm doing something and it's really important to me. And then Rachel just says the wrong thing. <laughs> and for some reason it crushes my world. And I just want to destroy the thing that I, I, felt joy about not my wife but like whatever it was i was investing in i suddenly just you wanted, heard it here i just want to show her that like fine i you know i hate it that moment for me was <laughs> way too personal i was just like oh my goodness i i have been there yeah and this is weird to watch in a movie okay uh, no i have not experienced okay. that okay yeah so yeah he's still you know going over the top and well and, it's i mean it's more believable than anything else he's done yeah. in the film and um like in the motion of the scene, it makes sense. I mean, at first it starts pretty high, but where it goes with the rest of their conversation, it makes sense and that it actually is a deep conversation, which I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't just this flip out and it's over. It was actually wound up being a meaningful conversation. So there was moments like that in the film that made it better than it probably would have been if they weren't there. Um, but I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So meh for you all around. No, better than meh. Better but than meh. it's just, this is not a movie I normally like go for. I don't know. Okay. I, yeah. Okay. I, it's, 
I don't know how to explain it. I like I really like horror films. I'm not in so much the action like action films. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't go enough horror to make it scary. It's too ridiculous and so it just there was it was always a little bit off from something that might really grab my attention. And for me, I have a 15-year-old. And so the entire theme of I love you, but sometimes yeah. I want to kill you was was just so much cathartic <laughs> release for me. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. Not that I actually want to murder my son. Uh, so you don't want to murder your wife. I don't wife want to murder my wife. Or your son. I don't want to murder my son. Okay. And, Is this uh, for some kind of alibi that you're saying this right now? Definitely. Okay. It's, it's going out there. Uh, I'm definitely not. Well, he said it on here, person. so I mean, there has to be true. Yeah, I mean, they're true. dead, but he said it on this podcast, <laughs> so it couldn't be Ken. Couldn't. It's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible. We're gonna have one of those Gone Girl moments where I'm just not weeping enough. <laughs> People are like, I don't believe Ben Affleck. <laughs> All right, uh, are you ready for a little bit? more cage roulette fun yeah because we talked last week and we just figured man go all cage and we decided to we haven't shared with each other but we decided to take some movies and say to ourselves can we find some movies that would have been better had nick cage starred in them Uh uh-huh and i i have what i think is a good list are you confident in your list no, Not but <laughs> I'm going to do it anyway. I'm way more confident, I think, okay. in this than maybe you are. I even have potential titles here. Oh. And I got four of them. Are you okay. ready for this? So I got Cage Against the Machine. Oh, gosh. Road Cage. That's a good one. Legal Drinking Cage. <laughs> and uh, Cage of Aquarius. <laughs> so we can name this whatever you want to name it. I'm kind of partial to Cage of Aquarius. But, what was the first one? Uh, Cage Against the Machine. I want to go with Cage Against the Machine. Right. Well, then you can put some Rage Against the Machine under Cage I'm not going to do that. Sorry. Not at all. <laughs> no. Oh, Clint, you got to overproduce this to the max. you no. got a Nicolas Cage, the music in this episode. No. You're not going to do that? No, I'm not going to. Okay. Sorry. All right. I refuse. So let's take turns. Uh, why don't you go? Uh, what's, what's the first one on your list? Movies that would be better if Nicolas Cage were in them. My first was Lincoln. Ooh. <laughs> As Lincoln? Yes. I think that would be fantastic. I would love to see him giving <laughs> all those wonderful speeches. Wow. I'm yeah. picturing it yeah. as we speak. Him in the fake beard. <laughs> like his weird chin beard because he doesn't have the quite the right jaw uh, line. It would be wonderful. Just him flipping out over the Civil War and stuff. It'd be great. Just flipping out. Everybody else is playing it straight and yeah. restrained, but he's just... Yeah. Rah! That's the best Nicolas Cage I can do. I can't do any words, but I can do... Rah! It was dead on. Just change your accent a little bit. You'll be All there. right. My first one was Suicide Squad, and it was Nick Cage as the Joker instead oh, of okay. Jared Leto. Uh-huh. Uh, and I just... I have no reasoning for this except... Put him in some white face paint, doll up that face, and let him do that weird, wide-eyed, yeah, that would be grin, good. Yeah, and just let Nicolas Cage be the Joker. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, well, one, I think anything changed about Suicide Squad would instantly elevate Suicide Squad. Yeah, but I think putting somebody in the Joker role, beefing that up, and really handing it to somebody that uh, doesn't think of crazy and damaged as having a tattoo that says damaged. <laughs> but actually portraying an individual who's damaged. I even started to think, what would the Joker film have been like with somebody like a Nicolas Cage? 
instead of uh, Joaquin Phoenix. And don't get me wrong, Joaquin Phoenix did really good work in that movie, even though I hated the movie itself. Uh, but I started to think how much more fun it would have been and over the top it would have been with somebody like Nick Cage. I don't think I'd want to see an entire movie of him doing it. Maybe not. I think if it was like a normal Batman movie and he was just popping in as the Joker, yeah. I think that would well, be fun. Just instead of collar out of space, it's like collar on my face. And it's just him <laughs> painting his face white and slowly descending into madness. I, I think there's something there. Yeah. All right. I what was your idea. second one? Um, well, actually, this goes back to um, – my uh, required viewing from Sinatron Primal. I, if he played Richard Loeffler's character, the, the bad guy, it would have been so much better because he's wild. That guy is like being he, and he did actually a pretty good job. Like you could tell he was having fun. Mm-hmm. But it's like, why didn't you give this role to him? Yeah. Like he's built for it, and he, like so, I was just confused by that. That's similar to what we talked about with Face Off. Yeah, where you have it's the same Cage, problem. But he's only crazy Nick Cage the for beginning. the beginning of the movie. Then he has to play straight-laced Sean Archer. Yeah. And doing a John Travolta impression. And it should have been the other way around. Yeah. Uh, it should have been Nick Cage being wild, stuck in this cop's body. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was the same problem. He would have had a much better time. All right. So. My second one uh, for Matrix Reloaded and Matrix Revolutions, uh, it would have been Nicolas Cage as the architect. Uh-huh. And... Capital A, capital N, capital D, both the architect and the Merovingian, both of them. I don't uh, remember anything from those movies. Really, nothing. <laughs> so the architect is the guy in the room with uh-huh. all the screens that gives that ridiculous speech to Neo about what it all means, and none of it makes sense. Uh-huh. And the Merovingian is the French restaurant owner who uh, also is an exposition dump. But if anybody can deliver villainy and exposition, mm-hmm. it's Nicolas Cage. And it would not have made those movies better. I still would hate those sequels. Yeah. But I would have at least enjoyed those two scenes more with Nicolas Cage. What's your second one? Third. Third. Um, (laughs) I would like to see all three of the recent Star Wars trilogy with him (laughs) as Kylo Ren. (laughs) For those scenes of him flipping out like in elevators and just slashing things, I would love to see that at a Nicolas Cage level. Wow. I think that would be fantastic with him and his... Weirdly old face. Yes. And it's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it might have to like adjust the timeline, do everything a little bit, or it's just not explained. He uh, they could just do flew s- an X-Wing too close to a gravity Yeah, they could do, well. s- right, they could do some kind of scarring to hide it, or it's just like a... Uh, Irishman, and they just do some CG magic. Just keep him in the mask the whole time. <laughs> Let him emote. <laughs> no, I want to see his face doing the flip outs. And the... well, you could do a Tony Stark view inside the helmet. Nah, <laughs> you got to take the helmet off. <laughs> so I think that would be fun. Okay. Uh, my third one, the only of the new Bonds I don't enjoy is Quantum of Solace. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's a good flick, but man, what a bland villain. And Nicolas Cage is a Bond villain. And really... This could go in a lot of different places, but I didn't want to take it away from uh, Christoph Waltz and and Mads Mikkelsen and some of these other guys that have done great work as Bond villains. But, oh, give me crazy Nicolas Cage in a Bond flick with Daniel Craig mm. uh, and just let him chew scenery. Give him some sort of deformity because, you know, Bond villain. But just let him let him go to town. Yeah. Let him be like Rust Tooth. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just got to- 
What? <laughs> He's just got a dead tooth. He's got a dead tooth. It's kind of rusty. He put uh, he put some fillings in there, and they weren't the right metal. So he like drinks out of a water glass and yep. gives to someone, gives him tetanus. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> they die in two to three years without treatment. Yeah, it's, it's very very vicious. But yeah, Slow death. give me give me Nicholas Cage as a Bond villain. I think it'd be a lot of fun. And sort of like Val Kilmer, I, I wonder if Nicholas Cage is so far past his prime that he's never going to get to that level of movie again. Yeah, or if he like settles down into that like old man role of some mm-hmm. like he just got to get get past this point yeah. where he's still trying to hold on to like the action hero, yeah. and then he just gives into oh okay i can play these roles well and you can see it they're dying his hair he's got yeah. like, the hair plug thing his face is pulled back he just looks somebody like he's old trying to play young mm-hmm. i thought that in both yeah. mom and dad and in color out of space like he's too old for this family yeah so okay what's your next one um i'd like to see him it, it when they do the next whatever um they're planning on doing with the Star Trek series. Okay. I'd love to see him as Captain Kirk. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. I would watch that yeah. movie. It'd be so entertaining. Or just Star Trek Picard and just, you know, we didn't bring back Patrick Stewart. It's just suddenly <laughs> Nick Cage. Like I was Lacute to some boy. Yeah, there's just like this underlying like Perfect. rage about to come out. Yeah. So that'd be fun. Okay. Uh, my next one was Hateful Eight. Mm-hmm. And it's when there's the shootout towards the end. It's not Channing Tatum that's been hiding under the floorboards and comes up out of there. It is Nicolas Cage. Uh-huh. And he is What's-Her-Face's brother and just in full crazy Nick Cage mode. <laughs> he set this whole thing up and Samuel L. Jackson has to take him down. I would watch that Hateful Eight in a second. <laughs> yeah. There you go. All right. What's your next one? Um, <laughs> I would have really liked to seen him in The Revenant as Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio's character okay. or as the bear. <laughs> I think he would play both roles oh, great. Man. Just, just him freaking out Nicholas in the woods. Cage's face on the bear. Yeah. Just some kind of face morphing of some Perfect. sort. But him as Leonardo DiCaprio's character would have been fantastic too. Him just trying to survive in the woods and crawling in a horse and <laughs> all kinds of fun. I'd love it. Perfect. Yeah. 100% yes, I would watch that movie. All right. My next one is actually very recent flick. We just saw this in theaters, The Invisible Man. And uh, we're going to do, I think, a bonus episode this week, uh, an Invisible Man review, correct? I think so. Because we did not agree or see eye to eye on this. No. So I'll I'll be very brief here. Uh, All I wanted was Nicolas Cage as the actual Invisible Man. I, I think for reasons I will discuss in our bonus episode... I think that giving that villain character more of a face and a performance, uh, obviously he's invisible, but but to give him when he's not invisible uh, more of a, again, just a name and a face, I think would have really helped that movie, at least for me. So I won't say just more. Just for Ken, yeah. Because we're going to fight discreet. it out. <laughs> Clint and I are going to fight to the death over the invisible man. Uh this might be the end of this. <laughs> this the end of Cinnababble brought mm-hmm. down by the Invisible Man. I'm ready for it. All right. So what else you got? How many more do you have? None. Okay. That this was is my, my last one then. Then we did this perfectly. <laughs> um, I think, don't understand why, and, and maybe they're planning on it. Um, 
Why isn't he in any of the Fast and the Furious movies? I don't know. <laughs> I've I looked at those several times and thought about putting that on my list. Yeah. I, I have no idea because it's all over the top. It's all nonsense. He was in Gone in 60 Seconds. Yeah. He loves cars. Right. He was I don't know a specific drive. one that he should be in, but he would be, he's perfect for it. Yeah. Everyone's did, crazy in those movies. Did you ever see Drive where he literally has to drive and escape hell? <laughs> no, I haven't okay, seen that's that. That's a one. movie. That's a real thing. Uh, but Nicolas Cage loves that kind of stuff. I don't. I don't. That understand. movie's just called Drive. It's called Drive. Okay. I reviewed it. Not once the other time. Drive. No, no. Uh, maybe it's Driver. Driven. Driving. <laughs> drove. <laughs> drove. Maybe it doesn't have that word in the title at all. I don't know. It's top of my head, but it was something with a car and car driving pilot. away from hell. <laughs> I remember the devil was coming after him, or the devil's son, or. Like, you got to get out of Dodge, Nick Cage. Drive fast. Not car pilot? Hell's a coming. Car pilot. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, no. Okay. That's that's a really good question. And uh, I, I would love to see Nicolas Cage in a Fast and Furious movie. Perfect for him. It really is. That yeah. This is a perfect level of uh, celebrity that he's at right he now. He could be Jason Statham's, like, in utero twin <laughs> that survived. Yeah. And they meet up later in life. Perfect. They didn't know about each other. Perfect. Yeah. 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 I like it. Mm-hmm. Sounds great. All right. Are you uh, are you ready for a Sinatron spin? Yeah. Okay. Are we communicating with the Sinatron this week? No. Or? He's dormant. Oh, you're so scared, Clint. You shouldn't be. All right. I, out of respect for you, I, I won't communicate with my new friend, but maybe next week. Yeah. Keep it quiet. <laughs> All right. Let's give this thing a spin. hope when you immediately start <laughs> laughing and you can't even say the name you're gonna be so excited because this is gonna force me into this okay underground six yes <laughs> oh fantastic fantastic it's i am happened i am in no way recommending underground six please don't misunderstand my enthusiasm yeah i have gone on record on this podcast as saying that underground six is a bad bad movie <laughs> But I am so excited to watch it again because it's that kind of bad movie. Yeah. I'm so excited that you get to watch it. I have to watch it. Not that oh, I get to watch it. Man. God bless Sinatron. Man, just because I didn't want to talk to him this week and he just... <laughs> I'm telling you. He can't hear us. So he's, just, uh, he's punishing you. He's punishing you. But... Uh, oh, I can't wait. <laughs> Absolutely. I am... I'm so jazzed right now. I can see it. Right. I'm I'm excited to watch it. It'll be fun. All right. Well, <laughs> this has been our very special Nicolas Cage episode. A little bit of Cage Roulette. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, you can visit us at www.cinebabblecast.com. Uh, join in the conversation. Uh, maybe we'll read it on here and have a little bit of fun with you. Uh, but, you know, let's interact. It's a good time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this week, watch Underground 6 with us. Write <laughs> yeah. in and, and tell us what you think. Yeah. Because, uh, man, all I have to say is the word magnets. That's all. <laughs> this movie should have been called Magnets. 
And if you watch I this wish movie, the trailer you know exactly didn't ruin why. that. I do too. Magnets. Yeah. Man. All right. Well, this has been Cinebabble episode 18. Thanks for listening. Uh, join us later this week for a, uh, a special little bonus episode where we uh, tear apart the Invisible Man and I'm pretty sure tear apart each other in the process. <laughs> it's going to be a bloodbath. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs>